Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the blessing to be in this place, for the blessing of how you've already spoken to us through the music, through the children's story, through the prayer, through the call to worship. Thank you how you've spoken to us, maybe just through the Holy Spirit communicating something right now into our lives that we need to know and understand. Lord, I pray as we continue on and as we open your word that, that our hearts will be reminded of just how wonderful your words are, words of truth that can never fail. Lord, may we hear them and may we put them into action. In your name I pray, amen. You may be seated. It is appropriate that we are doing a little short two-part series on the Bible this month. This is the 500th anniversary this month of the translation of Martin Luther's Bible into German. It was known as kind of the first um, modern language in their own words, Bible. It was known as the September Bible. All the other uh, translations up until that point have been translated from the Latin, but Martin Luther in 10 weeks translated the entire New Testament from the Greek in just 10 weeks. And for those of you, which is many in here that take, have taken Greek, uh, you know how challenging that can be. We are talking about the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Last week, I had the privilege of baptizing my youngest son, Levi, in first service, and Pastor Jason also baptized his youngest son, Ben, in first service. Can I see, uh, and this is not a call, so I'm not going to be taking notes, but can I see how many of you have, have been baptized? If you've been baptized, will you raise your hand? It's okay if you have not. Hopefully, I will have the privilege of baptizing all of you that are not raising your hand one day, but... Uh, Baptism is, is this beautiful thing. And I don't know, all of you that raised your hands or those of you that are considering raising your hands one day, did you know that when you are baptized, you are making a contractual agreement with God? You're making a contractual agreement with God. Think, think about what a contract is. I got this off of a, of a lawyer's site. Amanda, you can nod if I'm anywhere near right in Hermon. Uh, I got this off of a lawyer's side. In order for a, a contract to be legally binding, uh, there are four components. There's offer and acceptance. There's awareness. There's considerations. And there is capacity. Does that sound about right? I'm getting a head nod from our lawyers in the room. Offer and acceptance. Think about it. John chapter three and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that we could have eternal life. That is the offer. The acceptance is that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. First John chapter one and verse nine. The Bible tells us that God will forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the, the offer. The acceptance is if we confess our sins. There's this offer. There's this acceptance that takes place. That's what we, we are entering into when we go into that baptismal tank. For a contract to be binding, the most parties, both parties must have awareness. That means there must be a meeting of the minds 
They have to be aware of what they are getting into. This is, of course, why we study with people prior to baptism. But, but we need to know what we are getting into. Baptism is wonderful and it's beautiful and walking with Jesus Christ is wonderful and beautiful, but, but there are challenges with being a follower of Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, the Bible tells us if anyone, in fact, it says everyone who wants to live a godly life, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not, not a question of if, but, but will be persecuted. And, and as we enter into this relationship with God, we need to understand that, that part of that walk with Jesus includes living in a world that is contrary to God. And so there are challenges, there's persecution that comes with following Jesus Christ. But what we are getting into is not just suffering. Ultimately, the ending is, is a glorious reward. In the same book, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 18. Now, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, Paul writes, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. There needs to be an awareness of what we're getting into. Yes, there's going to be suffering. In this world, you will have trouble. If they hated you, hated me, they will also hate you. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. But, but no, also the awareness is that ultimately there is this glorious, there is this glorious hope that is prepared for us at his appearing. The third thing is consideration. Consideration is an analysis by both parties entering into the contract, both parties acknowledging and accept and willingly entering into their obligations. Considerations represents the commitments that the parties make to one another. And I'm going to come back to consideration because that is what we are talking about today. We're talking about considerations and I'll come back to that in a moment. And then, of course, there's capacity. This means people that understand the terms, that people that are able to, to comprehend the terms, the responsibilities, the consequences of the contract before they sign it. This is why we do not baptize babies. Uh, this is why we do not uh, sell houses to uh, toddlers. These are the, some of the things. Legally and spiritually, we do not do these things because we want a person to understand the agreement that they are making, the relationship that they are making with God. I think of Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15 in which Joshua said to the people of God, choose you, choose you this day whom you will serve. If it seems good to you to serve the true God or if it seems good you serve the gods over the river, then it is your choice. It's about capacity, your capacity to make a choice. By the way, if you want to read later, Joshua chapter 24, I think the whole thing is an outline of a contract. There's offer and acceptance in there. There's, there's awareness. There's consideration. There's capacity in that whole chapter right there. But baptism is this contract. And there was a smart lady that, that many of us appreciate they wrote a few years back, Ellen White wrote this, and, and, and see if you hear the contractual language in what she wrote about this moment of baptism. She says, by our baptismal pledge, our commitment, our signing on the dotted line, 
We have vouched. I've never heard the word of vouched, but I'm trusting that it's a word. We have vouched and solemnly confessed the Lord Jehovah as our ruler. We virtually took a solemn oath. We made a contract in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that henceforth our lives would be merged into the life of these three great agencies that the life we should live in the flesh will be lived in faithful obedience to God's sacred law. We declared, we, we stated ourselves dead and our life hid with Christ in God that henceforth we should walk with him in newness of life as men and women having experienced the new birth. We acknowledge God's covenant. Covenant is actually Old Testament language for a contract. We acknowledge God's covenant. We acknowledge God's contract with us and we pledge, we commit ourselves. We, we've, we've seen the offer. We've made an acceptance. We've, see, we've done awareness of what it involves. We've done the considerations. We have capacity. We've made the pledge ourselves to seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. By our profession of faith, we acknowledge the Lord as our God and yielded ourselves to obey his commandments. If you have been baptized, if you have stood before a group of body and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, you have made a contract with Jesus. Now I want us to look at the considerations, your side of the commitment, my side of the commitment. If you're considering getting baptized, you, you need to understand these considerations, which is basically me saying you need to understand your commitment. Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 17 tells us what the consideration is on our side. Deuteronomy chapter 26 and verse 17 says this. You have declared this day, what we do in the baptismal tank, we, we stand before people. You have declared this day that the Lord is your God, that the Lord is your God. And then, and then Moses writes, these are the considerations that you will walk in obedience to him, that you will keep his decrees, that you will follow his commands and his laws, and that you will listen to him. Last Sabbath, I preached part one of this sermon series, which was about listening to the word of God, which is about studying and reading this book that God has given to us. I talked about the importance of, of being in the Bible consistently, day in, day out, week in, week out. Today, I want to talk to you about doing the word of God, being practitioners of the word of God, living out God's word. This is our consideration within the contract that we have made with Jesus. I was telling Jared uh, about, Jared approached me at the school the other day and he said to me, hey, Chad, remind me what you're preaching about for the children's story. I have the children's story this week, so remind me what you're preaching about. And I said to him, I am talking about uh, last week I talked about hearing and listening to the word of God. This week I'm talking about applying the word of God. And there was an alumnus there from Spencerville Academy who's helping Jared coach soccer. And she was kind of just standing off to the side. And I said, last week was about hearing the word of God. This week is about doing the word of God. And from the side, she pipes in and she goes, that seems to be the part we always have the problem with, isn't it? She was absolutely right. I said, yep, you are right. And I would, I would ask us, I would ask you, don't raise your hand on this one. Don't raise your hand on this question. But how many of us 
are regularly defaulting on our considerations, our commitments to the contracts we made with Jesus Christ when we stood before his people and declared that we are followers of him. How many of us are defaulting on that? James chapter one, beginning in verse 22, says, do not merely listen to the word. Listen to this. It says, do not merely listen to the words and thus deceive yourselves. In other words, there's a way that we can be reading the Bible day in, day out, week in, week out, spending time in the word of God, but we're still deceiving ourselves because James says, do not simply read the word and thus deceive yourselves, but instead do what the Bible says. This is saying the same thing as Deuteronomy chapter 26. Obey God's command. Live according to his word. Walk with him. In other words, live our lives formed around the principles and the teachings that are within this book. Not the principles of the world. Not the principles that, that I think are best or that you think are best. Not the principles that our, that our friends say this is how we should live. Not, not even the principles that our family say is acceptable. By the word and the word alone, that is how we are to live. That's why it's so important for us to study the Bible on a consistent basis, to study God's good and, and perfect words regularly. I can't know the commitments of the contract I made with Jesus at baptism if I don't read what is there written within the scriptures. It's like Jared said in his children's story, I can't just look at the box and hope that somehow that the Lego picture on the outside of the box is going to turn out the way I want it to. I eventually have to open it up. I have to get involved. I have to take out the, the, the instructions and follow along. We must do what it says. But James points out, though, that the, war, that the contract isn't worth much if we read it and somehow think that just by knowing the contract we are fulfilling the considerations of the contract. He says, don't deceive yourselves. Do what the Bible says. Now, as someone who understands what Christ has done for me, I believe that Jesus has every right to tell me what to do in every way without any promises in between. Because he died for me, because he saved my life, because he redeemed me, he can say, Chad, do whatever. It, it, and I feel like I should just say yes to that. But, but God, in his contract with us, does something amazing. In fact, there's two things in the, in the contract that we make with God that is unlike, in my opinion, any contract that exists in the world. The two things that I think are unique is this, is that, is that God says, okay, here are my commitments and here are your commitments. But then God comes across the aisle and says, now let me help you with all of your commitments. God says, you know what? Here's what I've done all by myself, without your help, without your power, without your strength. And here's what you need to do. And by the way, don't use your power. Don't use your strength. Do it by my spirit. And God says, I'll walk with you. I'll journey with you. This is unique in, in a contract. Here's my commitments. Here are your commitments. I'm God. I'm going to help you with all your commitments. That's one unique aspect of the contract. The other unique aspect of, of God's contract is this, that God says at everything I ask you to do, if you'll do those things, 
your contract is going to get better and better and better. In fact, in James, at the end of the book of James, it says, or at the end of that section of James, where it's talking about doing the word of God, the Bible says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing what they have read, they will be blessed in what they do. This is unique to this contract of God. You do what I ask, you're going to be blessed by doing it. I want you to think about a contract that many of us have participated in, in our, our world, in our culture. And that contract is this. How many of you have bought a car? You bought a car? Raise your hand if you bought a car. How many, so you bought a car. Anyone back here bought a car yet? Someday. Someone pointed, you pointed at someone. Someone maybe has, man, good for them. You bought a car. Now, the car for the contract, I've, I've bought a car and here's what the contract says. The contract says to me, okay, we are going to give you this vehicle and you are going to send us hundreds of dollars every single month. And now it is a privilege to have a car. I'm, I'm blessed to have a car. I'm grateful to have a car, but, but just go with me on this. We're gonna, you, you, we're, you're going to give us money every month and we're going to allow you to keep driving this car. And when this car starts to break down, we're going to allow you to pay someone else to keep driving the car that you're paying us for. And when you're driving down the road and you're, and, 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 and you're looking at the gas prices and you're seeing that your, your, your thing's getting towards empty or the light's coming on on empty, we're going to allow you to pay another person to keep that car running. And then when you get that notice that your, your oil needs to be changed or else your engine's going to blow up, here's what we're going to do. While you're still sending us money, we're going to allow you to pay someone else money to keep that car to continue working. Oh, and by the way, here in our country, which we should all be grateful for, we want you to know that while you're paying us money and while you're paying someone to fix your car money and while you're paying money to the gas people to keep your car running and while you're paying money to the Jiffy Loop or the Valvoline Instant Oil Change, these are the two places I go, so I just say these places. Um, I tried to change uh, the oil once and... Well, let's just say that costs more than me not changing the oil. So, so all these things, while you're still paying us money, you can pay all these people things. And oh, by the way, if someone runs into you, we require you to have this thing called insurance that you have to pay every month so that you can keep that car that you're paying for in good condition. And at the end of all this, here's what they say to us. At the end of all this, when you've just finally paid it off and you've had it a few years, and it starts to break down on you, you can bring it back here. And this car that you've given us thousands and thousands of dollars for, we'll give you a few hundred dollars back. <laughs> and you can get a new one and we'll start the cycle all over again. That's the contract here. But here's what God says to us. Here's what, what our Lord says to us. He says, if you keep the laws of this book always on your lips. If you meditate on them day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Or John chapter 13 and verse 17, where Jesus with his own words said, now that you know these things, these things that Jesus has taught, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if 
you do them. Our God tells us in the contract that was sealed with him at baptism, there is a great reward in the future, but guess what else? I'm going to give you this great promise. And oh, by the way, in the meantime, as you invest in this relationship, this day is better. Oh, and as you invest in this day, in this relationship, the next day is better. And oh, as you continue to invest in that relationship, this day gets better. And as you invest, the more you invest in that relationship with God, the better and better it gets. And then he tells for us at the end of it all, when you bring back your life, when you bring back your car, guess what? It's appreciated to such a value that no man can imagine. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has in store for you. No depreciation. But in between, every day is going to be better. Every day is going to be better. God says, that's what happens when you act upon my word. When you act upon the convictions, the truths that are found in this book. Do you want every day to be better? That comes from acting upon this book every day by the word of God. Today, tomorrow. Think about it. Today better. Tomorrow, tomorrow better. Next week better. I mean, how awesome is that. It's not because you won't have problems, but because you'll know a blessing that can't be experienced apart from God's word. And oh, by the way, all through that, Jesus reminds us, here's my commitment. I died for you that you may have life. I forgive your sins, no matter what your sin is, the worst of sins, the worst thing you can imagine, I can forgive that. When you're happy, I'm going to rejoice with you. When you're burying a family member, when you're mourning that child you had to bury, I'm going to weep with you, but I'm going to remind you that I'll put that child back in your arms on resurrection morning and that child can grow up in the kingdom of God. When you're, when you're, when you're feeling stressed and worried, I'm going to remind you to put your worries on me, cast your burdens on me, and I'll make your way easy and light. This is my commitment to you. And oh, by the way, just keep investing and every day's going to get better. That is what it means to be a doer of God's word. Every day better with Jesus Christ. I want to end with a story. And as I share this story with you, I want you to think about something else that Jesus asks us to remember. It's from Matthew chapter 18 and verse three. Jesus was talking to some of his followers. And, and you may remember this verse. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 and verse three, he said to his followers, Unless you become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He tells us this is one of the things in following him. Become like a little child so that you can enter the kingdom of heaven. And I want to share a story with you today to end this. Last Sabbath, as I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, I have the privilege of baptizing my youngest son, Levi. Levi is my youngest. He's my quietest. He's my most respectful they're all wonderful kids, but he is my most respectful. Levi is 10 years old and I baptized Levi last week and it was such a, a thrill and a blessing to be able to do that. Uh, the only sadness I had in it is that I don't have any more kids to, uh, to baptize and Christina didn't like my joke about maybe us having a few more, so we will move on. But on Monday, I took the kids to school and then I brought the kids home from school and my parents were in town for Levi's baptism. And so they were still here and they had told the boys they were going to take them to 
a Baltimore Orioles game. And so they were getting ready for this game. And I was going back to the church because I had an elders meeting on Monday night. And I, uh, as I was getting ready to leave, Levi grabbed me, said, dad. And I want to quote him because I want you to hear this. He said, dad, I want, I can't do it tonight, but I want you to give me a time tomorrow when I can meet with Dindy and Connor on friends uh, to meet with Dindy and Connor on, on friends, two of his friends from school. And I said, why? And he said, because they want to do baptismal studies with me. And I said, okay. I said, well, why not six or 6.30 tomorrow night? And he said, okay. And then he said to me, and dad, you need to go to the book and Bible house. That's still what we call it in our house. We're keeping it old school there. You need to go to the book and Bible house and get Bible studies for us for these studies told me, this is what you need to do, dad. I said, okay, got it. So went to my meeting. The boys went to the game. The next day, Levi comes home at about six o'clock. He excuses himself from the dinner table. He goes upstairs and I, I go to the bottom of the stairs and I'm listening to him talk. He's 10. I can, I can eavesdrop on him. It's okay. Still when he's 18 and still living in my home, I will still eavesdrop. He's living in my home. So it's not going to matter. But I list, I'm listening to him and I hear him say, we're going to meet Friday at lunch. And he said, and Pastor Larone is going to be with us. And then I hear him say this, but she's not doing the Bible studies. We're doing the Bible studies, but three kids can't be in a room alone. So she's just going to be there with us. And I was like, okay. Then he gets some Bible studies he got tired of waiting for dad. So we actually got three sets of Bible studies from Pastor Larone. We were looking at him. I told him, oh, I like this one. I think the best. He looked through them all himself and he chose a different one. He used his license to choose a different one of those Bible studies. And this last, just yesterday, he had his first Bible study with Dindy and Connor. Led them in this Bible study. I want you to understand this. Never once did Levi ask me, dad, may I do this? Dad, can I do this? Dad, should I do this? He told me, dad, when can I have a time to meet with my friends to talk about Bible studies? Dad, go get me the Bible studies. Dad, you're taking too long. Pass the Lerone. Get me some Bible studies. And what I found out after Levi was baptized this past Sabbath, and this is the, the detail I got wrong with the elders and Levi corrected me on it. After Levi got baptized this last Sabbath, he went to school and he found two friends that were not baptized. And he went to them and he said, do you want to study the Bible to prepare for baptism with me? And they said, yes. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, all authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Disciples of Jesus make a contract at their baptism and then they live by the commitments they are called to in entering into that contract. And I praise Jesus that I don't have a son that asked me permission to serve Jesus. I praise God that I don't have a son that, that, that asked me 
what he should do for Jesus, but rather he knows his responsibility as a baptized disciple of Jesus Christ is to obey the contract of Jesus Christ. And he steps forward and does it. Brothers and sisters, let us be readers of the word, but let us also be doers of the word. Let us become, if necessary, like a 10-year-old boy and remember our contract and step out and do what the word calls us to do. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your grace towards us. Thank you for the example of our young people on the platform today, the young people in our lives. Thank you for the blessing of your word, Lord, that teaches us. I pray, Jesus, that each one of us will not be deceived simply by hearing the word today, but that we will actually live by the word and this week that we will put it into practice for your honor, for your glory, and for the blessing of each day being better than the previous because we are walking with you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.